Hi, this is Andrew Goodall and Charlie Goodchild, and you're listening to the Health Space Podcast. This is the podcast where we dive deep into health-related questions and topical issues relevant to us all. The world of health and medicine is messy, full of contrasting opinions and misleading advice. We will challenge myths and common misconceptions by exploring the evidence and speaking to leading experts along the way. We are physiotherapists and have been friends since university and share the same belief that everyone deserves the opportunity to access high quality, up-to-date health information. When it comes to health, we believe that better never ends. Thanks for listening and let's dive straight in. Welcome to another episode of the Health Space podcast. So today's episode, uh, we've got Serena Simmons coming on to talk to us. This was an episode that we set up a good few months ago. So we, we, we started to talk about this um, in the first lockdown. Essentially, it was talking about how COVID can affect people's mental health and in particular loneliness. Uh, and I, I remember talking to Andy about this and we did, we did a post about this on our Instagram. Um, and we just thought it would be a really good one to have a, an episode on. And then I, I found a, a blog that Serena had written um, on Claire Mitchell's blog uh, and, and yeah just read really really well um, summed up everything that we've been talking about in a much much more succinct way so you yeah, know looking forward to to, to talk to Serena so Andy have you um, how you how are you feeling about the episode yeah, coming up I'm really excited actually um, this is something we've been talking a lot about um, and obviously both of us have been speaking a lot to our wives who've uh, both had children um, during the pandemic and there's the ups and downs that come with uh, newborns are sort of almost heightened, especially in this current situation and the kind of chopping and changing restrictions and whatnot have meant that I think everybody's been challenged with regards to their sort of mental health and whatnot. So I'm really excited to sort of hear what Serena's got to say. And, uh, you know, I think let, let's kick off and hear a bit about what Serena does um, and she can tell us a little bit about herself and uh, then we can kick off with some questions. Yeah. So, Serena, I know that you're a psychologist, you're a life coach, but please, yeah, you, you know yourself better than we know you. So please, can you give, give us an overview of what it is, what it is you do, um, what brought you to that career? Absolutely. Hello, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be here and see your faces after so many emails. <laughs> That's lovely. Um, that question about how I got here could be a really long one, but I'll try and keep it brief. Yeah, so as you said, I'm a psychologist. I'm a chartered psychologist with a BPS here in the UK. Why, how, or why do I do what I do and how did I get here? The biggest inspiration for me as to why I entered psychology, probably maybe even like you guys or like a lot of people listening, um, I watched my mum and what she did. So a parent, my mum was a psychiatric nurse and from a really young age, I would see her work and what she did. And I was super curious about the people that she worked with. So from a very young age, I think I was very curious about the, the condition of being human. So why we were all so different. And she would talk about the people that she worked with. And they were so intriguing to me as a child that these people would behave in this particular way and do what they did. So she worked with some really ill people and I was really, intrigued by that so it was really her it was it was her that you know my mum that inspired me to go into this field so um went to uni did psychology 
Um, and as I progressed in psychology, became very interested in extremes and behavior. So I think when you start learning psychology, um, I think a lot of people go into it because they're interested or intrigued about how they work as a human being. But I was very interested in other people, I think, from the get go. So why do people do what they do? Why are their behaviours maybe so extreme? So some people did really, really bad things and some people were really driven to do really well and really good things in their life. Um, and it was that that intrigued me to follow a forensic route. So very early on, I actually followed a forensic route in psychology. So pursued a forensic, a kind of a criminology route, really. So I did a BA in criminology and a BSc in psychology at the same time. I did two degrees at the same time. I don't recommend it. <laughs> if anyone's doing a degree, I did two at the same time. It's a lot of work. Um, then went, went on to do my master's um, and followed a route into forensic psychology. So for a long time worked in a forensic setting actually. So worked, um, back, came back to the UK because I studied actually in New Zealand, um, which was amazing. Um, for many years and then um, came back and worked for the prison service here in the UK. So for a few, um, for quite some time I used to manage all of the cognitive behavioural programmes being run in England and Wales and the UK. Um, and then I also worked in a practice role at Rampton Hospital. So if any of your listeners are familiar with a kind of the darker side of human nature then that will interest them so I worked with some pretty serious offenders and the work <laughs> that is involved in kind of working with people who've done some um quite awful things really so um you know I, I specialize in serial murder I should say in my forensic life so um very much worked in that extreme of human nature really so working with people who've done um, some really awful things. But that really inspired me over the time that I worked with them to work with the other side of the spectrum. So working in that positive side of the spectrum that I mentioned earlier. And that's how I pursued um, my work in my private life. So in academia, I work as a senior psychology lecturer at university. And that work is very centered around mental health, and forensic psychology, so working on that kind of violent crime, very extreme end of that side of the spectrum. And in my private work, I very much work on the other side, which is positive psychology, um, working with people who want to evoke big changes in their life, but it's all the same. And that's what people often forget to see is that as human beings, we're all human beings and that's the similarity. So we are all motivated to do something, whether that's good or bad, we are motivated to do something and I am fascinated by that. So I am all about evoking change and looking at how we peak perform in our lives. Um, and that's how I've come to where I am today. I think that's a good potted history anyway. <laughs> um, the bit about doing two degrees gave me a little kind of shudder down the spine, if I'm honest. I just about got through my uh, bachelor's to be fair. So that's incredible. Um, yeah, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Listening to you, the the bit I found kind of, I guess, appealed to me most was that kind of emo the motivation to kind of do something, basically, because me and Charlie uh, obviously are both physiotherapists and we are always trying to motivate people to either kind of change behavior or exercise or whatever it might be to try to um, get the best from them. So um I guess we have experience without being psychologists of trying to kind of access the bits that you, you sound like you're 
uh, you're doing day to day, which is which which is really interesting. I think this um, conversation will be good for us as well. Hopefully, we can take some nuggets for our for our clients too. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and actually, people talk to me about motivation a lot, and a lot. I'm glad that you said that actually, because a lot of people see what I've done or what I do in my academic life, and they don't see the link. As human beings, we're hardwired in the same way, whether we end up doing something bad or good. And it's a choice at the end of the day um, as to whether we pursue that route or we don't. So I think, yeah, tapping into what it means to be human is the juicy bit. Um, And that can impact us in all kinds of ways. And it has a huge impact on what we choose to do with our lives so yeah i'm oh, it's the next we could be here for the next six hours if you want uh, I, I was thinking just that honestly i was thinking just that because um it as you were talking there there were there were two things that, that it reminded me of there was i don't know if you've seen it a series on netflix called the mind hunter which is um it's about the the starting point of criminal psychology i believe uh, and that that was fascinating because that was all about um serial murders as well but going into how psychology became the the dominant way of um uh solving these crimes and figuring out um, how they could prevent them in the future and then the other thing i, I read a book um by robert Sapolsky called the biology of humans at their best and their worst and it was exactly that it's like there's this common humanity that that links it all but but actually uh, that expands across across everyone so yeah really interesting to uh, really interesting introduction that just reminded me of so many interesting things that i've i've been watching and listening and reading in the last year or so um you mentioned about uh sort of about being a life coach and that's something that 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 term coach has become really common hasn't it so i just wonder how would you differentiate between a coach and a therapist and does it matter in certain situations what why why would that be something that you would use for certain people over over in different different areas oh again how how many hours have you got for this one um this is a tricky one for me i have a love hate relationship with the word coach if i'm completely honest um if i think about it from a purist point of view and what you're doing when you're a coach it comes from a really good place and it you know it arguably it's a, it's an it's a name for something and that name means in my world that you're a teacher that you're a guide i think of yoda from star wars I don't know if there's any star wars fans yeah. out there but you are the wise teacher this person that kind of you've been there you have the knowledge you can guide someone to really better themselves and actually the coach that's been pulled into the life coaching world has been completely plagiarized from the world of sport. So the word life, the word life coach or the phrase, I should say, was taken literally from sports. So, you know, you get a, a sports coach who is there to guide and to help an athlete progress in their area. And the idea being that when you say you're a life coach, that you can help a person progress in the same way in their life. Um, So the idea of being a guide and a teacher, and that really fits into what I do. So I'm a chartered teaching psychologist. I really believe in being able to guide people, give them the knowledge that they need to better themselves. They can take that on in terms of where they're at and kind of use that information and that knowledge to really push themselves forward. I love that. Um, and I'm all for that phrase being used um, in that positive way. I have to say, however, the darker side of that would be for me that the word is often overused. That phrase coach 
has become so watered down over the years, it makes me quite sad because really it's not a regulated body. There's no um, regulation over using the word coach. So, I mean, literally anyone today listening to this <laughs> or otherwise could call themselves a coach today, tomorrow, um, and be a coach in a particular area. And I think it's just, we have to be really mindful of where those people come from when they're using that word. If they're using it in the right way and they have the good, the, the backing to have the knowledge, the qualifications, the experience to be able to use that word and do the work and actually really help people. Brilliant. It, you know, do your research is my point. Find yeah. out who you're working with. Have they got the credentials, the experience, the validity to use the word? But just be mindful of who you're approaching when they say that they're a coach. And I think I'm just really sad to see that the industry has become quite watered down with that phrase. But in its purest sense, a coach is a beautiful um, way to kind of phrase yourself. You know, you know I am a coach, and I and I and I love what it means in its purest sense. I mean, do you guys feel the same way about that? I don't know how you feel about it actually. Yeah, there's times when uh, as a physiotherapist, I, I see myself more as a physio coach. It's it's definitely like sometimes therapy is, is considered something different to what what it really is as well. You, you know, physio is physical therapy. It can mean something different for, for certain people. So when you when I think of myself, am I a coach or a therapist? I would see myself as more of a coach most of the time about that guiding, teaching, you know, nurturing type of professional that that's trying to help people make a change to their life that, that's going to benefit them. So I, I, I agree with you that I would see myself in, in that sense in a really positive way. And I see it as a, as a really good thing. Um, it's not necessarily caught on yet. I don't think the physio coach is, is a label that's stuck, but I do definitely see, see that as something that I at least think about in, in the way that I I'm with patients and the way that I'm considering my own personal development as well. Yeah, I think there's been more of that. I mean, since COVID, I think we've embraced that word coach more because we, we can't be hands-on as therapists. We can't be there in the room. So we can't do anything with the person kind of physically. So I think that um, the word coach, I hope it kind of has that more, that gravitas, that, that meaning, you know, as we do guide people, you, you're on a screen for the most part, guiding people, you know, giving them your knowledge, telling them what to do. So I think, and I hope that that has kind of cemented people's beliefs about what a coach can really do for people, which is that guiding, that that Yoda experience. Yeah. <laughs> I say that I'm a bit more of a Mr. Miyagi. I don't know if, again, I'm <laughs> kind of guiding people. And often they don't know what they're doing half the time when they work with me. And then they go, oh, yeah, that's what you were doing all along. I didn't get that. That's what you really meant. But yes, I get it now. So, yeah, that kind of coach, that guide is um, don't underestimate what they can do. Yeah. I think you encompass the sort of the positivity around what a coach can be really nicely there you know it's it's that kind of taking all all bits of information or maybe all walks of life disseminating all aspects that can that can bring to the table and trying to kind of deliver it in a way which motivates or brings positivity or helps guide or whatever you want to label it as helps them you know show them down the path but what you sort of do there is coach becomes a positive term rather than some of the kind of uh, some of the kind of more negative stuff that comes around um, coaches or these life coach label, which kind of comes out maybe on a, you know, the social media kind of stuff. You mentioned COVID and, and obviously we, unfortunately we, this, we're going to talk about it quite a bit. As I mentioned before, COVID clearly seems to be affecting people's uh, physical health, but also uh, mental health as well. 
not only those that sort of seem to contract the disease, but those that are around them as well have had to change both their sort of life habits, exercise habits, eating habits. How do you, I wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on how COVID has sort of affected the mental health side rather than sort of the physical health side. I, to, to be honest with you, I think that this whole experience starts with the mental, if I'm honest. And I've, I'm a big believer in the phrase that your body won't go away, your mind won't let you. So everything starts with your mind. Everything. So I've worked with if I'm being blunt, I've worked with serial killers, I've worked with athletes, I've worked with CEOs, I'm not that I'm grouping them into the same group. And I've worked, worked with kind of business owners, you know, the person on the street. The common factor with human beings in general is that we start with how we think. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, you will start with how you think about something. And I think that it, this situation has highlighted that um, more than anything so it all starts with how you think and how we're relating to that situation from that kind of mental point of view so I'm, I don't know about you but you know I've spoken to lots of people whether that be my clients my friends my family and I can tell you that nobody has not been affected by this whether it's a client or a family member or a friend everybody I know regardless of the amount of resilience they have the positivity they have everyone is impacted by what's happened and so we cannot underestimate the fact that we are impacted on this level and you know it, it very much depending on the baseline that you're coming from some people do come from a better starting point than others and so some people are going to be impacted more by what's happened. And there are so many factors that impact, again, how you will cope with the current situation. There are some people and the people that are impacted more are possibly those in isolation. So we know from the research that those who are isolated are massively impacted by the current situation because we are in isolation anyway. But those that may have been able to see their families, their loved ones, their friends, and are no longer connected to those people. So that's going to have a huge impact. We're social creatures. We know that. So they can't see their loved ones. That's going to have a huge impact on, other, on, on their psyche, on their mental health. Not being able to go into work. We have no sense of routine, of normality. We know, again, from the research that those in lower socioeconomic um, kind of groups are also suffering more because of their inability to access potentially um kind of a, a things that they're normally used to accessing would that be kind of having their children go to school and access the help that they might get through school so I think just to kind of labor the point really I suppose and kind of building on what you're saying is that everything in my opinion starts with how we think and it all starts from that point and so obviously this situation has highlighted the fact that it's impacting that particularly and that is always going to be the place or the baseline within which we start to try and help people where are they at in their life what are they currently experiencing and how can we help them in terms of where they are at in their life what do they currently have access to and what can we kind of help them with from that point so yeah it all starts with how we think in my opinion you talked about how everyone is impacted across the board i think i, I do agree with you there completely um do, do you know of any data where, where where it's really showing you how they're affected because I know, I remember looking at a big study earlier on, uh, probably halfway through last year, and there was this sort of shock factor at the start, I think in 
um, March, April, where loads of people felt uneasy and uncomfortable and mental right. health was affected. And then it sort of normalized a bit and people sort of found a, a middle grounding, but I, I certainly haven't looked at much recently. When it first happened, so certainly here in the UK, so if you're looking at when we went into lockdown in March, but um, last year in 2020, lots of studies popped up very quickly. So the, there were a lot of kind of people and institutions that got, got onto this very quickly and said, look, we need to research this straight away and look at the impact, which is great because the, in, the research that was kind of prevalent to date was on pandemics that were quite short-lived by comparison across the globe. So the international studies that were available were quite short-lived pandemics like SARS, etc. But this one has obviously been a lot longer than we expected. And I've actually had quite a few students in my, of my own researching this now, which is, which is fantastic. And we're looking at the impact of kind of well-being um, at the moment, which is great because it's really needed in terms of what we need to kind of gather in terms of research um, to find out what's really going on with people on the ground. So the Nuffield Trust have done some great research and they're doing a great job of kind of compiling research. And I really recommend that anyone who's interested go to that as a resource, certainly here in the UK. And they've got some great pieces of research that are ongoing there. And they were very quick to jump on this and kind of research what's going on. And they found very quickly in terms of their research there was a huge surge in things like anxiety and levels of stress. But what we happened here in the UK, do you guys remember, we kind of came out of the lockdown in July, didn't we? And there was that false sense of we're coming out of it now and everything's a bit okay. And interestingly, the research, the data showed that there was that shift into we're okay. So the data um, showed that there was that drop in levels of anxiety and certainly people reporting that um, to their doctors because we're going on people's reporting of what's going on um, but we've entered these kind of more uncertain phases now and what we know from the research at the moment from what I can gather because it's very touch and go and nothing's certain I have to say a bit of a disclaimer because it's so kind of raw and real at the moment so it's very hard to grasp the data certain certainly but what we can see in terms of the trends is that people's anxiety has risen but we're not getting the same level of reporting. Um, and what that means potentially is that because of the lockdown at the moment and certainly what's happened towards Christmas is that people aren't going to GPs and reporting how they're feeling. So the prediction at the moment is that it's not necessarily that people aren't experiencing as much anxiety and stress, but we may see, and this is what's predicted is that may, we may see a huge surge after lockdown and that people go to their GP or their healthcare professional and report the fact that they are feeling low, depressed, anxious, stressed, which for me highlights a few things. One would be go to your doctor because <laughs> doc, you know doctors are still open. They're not closed. So if you are experiencing this, do not sit there alone in your house and feel these things. Go and report it and get the help that you need because access to help is still available. And don't wait for that to happen because, you know, we don't know what will happen. And I think I'm very much in any frame of mind that we need to experience and embrace dynamic change, not static change. So we don't know when something might affect who we are we shouldn't wait for things to happen to us. We should kind of be a bit more proactive if we possibly can to access what we need to help ourselves. And so 
we mustn't wait, as I always say to the people I teach, we mustn't wait for an external force to force this feeling on us that we need to access something. We should actively access it and it is there if you need it. I think that's a really key point. I think um, we've even been speaking ourselves around how cancer reporting, especially initially, went went or um, dropped. So all, all of these these really serious medical uh, conditions, they're not becoming less prevalent. If anything, they're becoming more prevalent, especially on the mental health side. And let and yet the reporting is less because people are, are anxious to go out and, and 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 like you say, are waiting. They're, they're waiting for the these for things to happen instead. So yeah, really great point that we should be proactive with our own health, physical and mental. So. Yeah, and it's hard. I acknowledge it's hard sometimes. And that's why I think that, you know, if anyone is listening to it, I always think if anyone's listening and they think, oh gosh, that's me and I'm not, I'm not asking for help. I I don't know what to do. Then maybe it just starts with just talking to someone, anyone that you know, and just kind of starting to open up a friend. Is it a colleague if you work with someone like you guys are friends and you work in in you know together? Is it just saying to them I'm not really handling this very well? It just starts the conversation. I'm in a group in my city where I live in Nottingham, and someone put, put on this group that we're in. There are about twenty thousand people in this group saying I'm not really handling this work very well. My mental health isn't great at the moment. Has anyone got any tips? And people were just like you know, giving them support and offering them support. And I was like, I'll give you a free session. What do you need? And we think we're alone, but there is help there. And people are so willing to help people who are struggling. So don't think you're alone. Um, And if you're working with clients who feel stuck, it's not just all on your shoulders to help them. There's other help that's available as well. So, you know, we're all in this together. Everyone's in their own little homes, kind of feeling like they're isolated, but we're all isolated. So we're all in it in a weird way. And um, if, so- if there is someone listening to this, as you say, that, that is thinking, oh, actually, that, that could be me, as well as the GP, is there, are there any other resources out there, any other groups out there that you really recommend they go and speak to? Yeah, there's always, the Samar- I always recommend, the two things I recommend most of all are Samaritans and Mind. So that you can get, you can literally Google the Samaritans or mind.org and they are great resources to go and help you. And they have call centres and you can literally go and call them straight away for that kind of mental health support. If you think you're really struggling with your, specifically your mental health just fantastic I can't rate them highly enough really you know volunteers who are working from home for free on the end of, of a phone because they genuinely care that people are struggling right now so yeah there's there is help so people might think that they're on their own and I know it feels that way that's the other thing I know it feels like you are on your own when you're in the situation um but there are people that care there really are people that care that you that you might be struggling so yeah definitely reach out uh, so I talked to my team a little bit about this um, sometimes we kind of ask our friends and our colleagues how are you in a kind of throwaway way you know the kind of British kind of oh how are you kind of thing <laughs> sometimes uh, ask it with meaning I suppose or, or are you okay or to follow up how are you are you okay in a kind of really kind of safe, uh, safe way or an appropriate way and we need to ask people to speak up, but we also need to ask people to speak to each other as well. And and if you are in a work environment or at home or sometimes just checking in and taking the time to actually ask in a way that is meaningful, perhaps, I, I suppose is what I'm trying to say, can, can be really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And if you think about personalities and your personality, 
if you think about how many times a day you're asked, are you okay? You go, yeah, fine. Literally, how many times are yeah. you really okay? <laughs> we, we've all been guilty of it. They go, yeah, fine. And really, we're like, oh, my God, I didn't sleep last night. I had an argument with my partner. Things are really not okay. <laughs> but I'm saying that is usually a deflection. And to be fair, I have to say that I would always say only share your truth with people who you know, love and trust. So there will be people that you would not want to say, actually, I'm having a really shit time at the moment. So there will, there will yeah, be people that don't deserve to hear that truth because they wouldn't care. So I would just say you will, this is where I go back to kind of the, the, the stuff that I teach, which is it, it doesn't just start with what you think, it's your gut. So your gut, your true intuition knows who you can tell the truth to. So who are those truth seekers? Who are those truth seekers in your life? Who can you really tell the truth to in your life? And I'm sure as just I really hope that as I'm saying that, that you're thinking and you're doing a little like, like a little think. Who are the truth seekers? Who really wants to know your truth? Because there are very few of them. There might be, it might be your partner, it might be your mum, it might not even be your dad. It might only be one parent. The other one only wants to talk about sport or talk about the weather. You can't get to the truth with that person it's very superficial for whatever reason that might be there might only be one or two friends that you can speak that truth to so it's not that we need to kind of bear our soul to everyone we meet in the corridor or go out of our way to whatsapp them someone and say i'm not doing so good but who are your real true heartfelt true people that you can actually speak that truth to and they're the people that you share that with because we don't share our truth and our stories with everybody and you need to choose those people carefully because otherwise it creates a vulnerability it can actually really increase our sense of shame and that's not helpful to our sense of self so choose those people carefully that you speak your truth to everyone else might only deserve that i'm okay thanks for asking <laughs> and that's okay or I'm not really doing so good, but never mind. You know, like it doesn't. Don't judge yourself for kind of giving that flippant response because there's there's actually a reason you give that flippant response, right? Because you don't trust them with your truth. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, and I was even thinking about this the other day yeah, no. fr from the from the other angle as well about. So a friend, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he he mentioned that he'd been staying in close contact with a couple of, of friends that he hadn't really spoken to prior to lockdown, but had stayed much closer to them. And I thought that's a really great thing that he had made a real effort to, to speak to these two people more, more often than he normally would, because he realized yeah. that they were in a more isolated and vulnerable position. So he reached out to them and sort of put himself in, in a position where he thought he could support them better. And I thought, actually, I, I, I probably haven't done that enough. And, and I, I realized that my experience has been reasonably reasonably calm in comparison to, to other people and I've got my wife here I've got my two children here um, I'm still having to go into work so I still have social contact and I realized that actually I haven't reached out to some of the friends I've that I maybe could have so so I spent last week getting in contact with a couple of extra people that I realized you know, do you know what I probably should have got in contact with those people more often because sometimes people do need a bit of help to talk they do need someone to say hey how are you doing and i really mean that and it's like you know how, how are you actually doing it's not it's not the, the the corridor one that andy was talking about so um i think it works the both ways doesn't it it's that reaching out but it's also be knowing who you can trust and talking to them with your truths yeah, absolutely 
absolutely I really love that you said that and really interestingly just to share something really personal actually um, I've actually fallen out with a few friends over lockdown <laughs> not that you may be expected to hear that um because I think actually often extreme situations and circumstances show your true self um yeah. and so I, I love the phrase where, um um which is uh, Maya Angelou, which is how someone behaves the first time believe them. So when this experience kind of reared its head, how someone behaves in this situation, believe them. So, you know, if someone is behaving in a particular way towards you because of the situation that they're in, arguably, I'm not saying, you know, definitively, but that's their true self showing. And so how do you respond to that? Um, in other words, this situation can often show people's kind of inner selves how they respond to something in terms of crisis some people don't handle it very well maybe if we love them we show them more support we give them more help maybe some people actually attack you when they're in this situation i don't know why but um maybe that's something that we need to deal with and kind of respond to that accordingly is that who we saw them as before does that work for us in terms of our friendship so just kind of to to do what's best for you in this situation. Uh, it raises all kinds of interesting things in terms of how we behave when we're put into this, these circumstances. It can be quite fascinating really. And you have the right to respond in a way that is right for you based on kind of what's happening. What do you foresee or, or I, I don't know, your thoughts on the longer term effect of this? Before we came on, um, me and Charlie were talking about the, some people were talking about the positive, the positive parts of lockdown at the start. And then the duration seems to have thinned that out quite a lot I, I, from my experience anyway, um, as in, you know, the longer this goes on, the kind of less certain it is. Uh, I feel like the kind of, some of the positives seem to be washing away or, or and there, there seems to be a bit more um, negativity around, uh, around everything that's happened. But you know, as we look forwards and a lot of things aren't very certain still, I wondered what your your thoughts were about the kind of more longer term uh, effects of this. Is Yeah, it's a really, really good question. I think I certainly remember that right from the start of the lockdown, so the original one back in March last year, myself and my friends and my colleagues, we kept saying, especially my colleagues, gosh, this is going to have really long-term consequences for people's mental health. And I kept saying with people, because I work with a lot of people in the, in the physical health industry, um, and I worked closely with kind of athletes and, and people who were rehabilitating. People were very worried about physical health. And I kept saying, I know, but what about mental health? Because it's their mental health first for me personally. But, you know, everything starts with how we think. Um, and that's going to massively impact their physical health um and yeah it's a really good point because I, I i feel the same i feel like the after effects of this are going to be long lasting if i'm honest and i don't mean that in a negative way but i mean certainly from if you just look at this this is everything has to be practical to start with so if you look at the practicalities of what's happened in terms of people losing their jobs people not having the same income that they've had before people losing loved ones and kind of you know just the the actual physical measurable impact of what's happened is huge in and of itself that would actually have an impact on anybody let alone then the the kind of secondary factors which are isolation 
um, and everything else that goes along with what we talked about at the start, which is the isolation being maybe if you're on your own or you had kind of previous mental health issues and now you're on your own. So I think actually what we'll see is actually going forward the long-term impact of everything that's happened. And I always say we have to kind of tackle that on an individual basis. So it will be individual for everybody. Not that I'm trying to get out of the question, but um, some people will handle that better than others. And that will be for me, in terms of what protective factors they had in place prior to what happened. So, you know, are they taking care of themselves? Do they have a good social network? Are they connected with other people? Do they have a purpose? Is there something to go on to? Do they, are they driven to actually be here and do something more? So I do worry, if I'm honest, about people's mental health going forward. And that is very dependent on how many protective factors they have in place prior to and during what's happening and the fewer of those they have present the more I would be worried about them so I do think that we need to put a lot of effort and resources into helping people in my opinion first from a mental health perspective and from that comes the physical and both are important and it actually might be I have to say that the physical impacts the mental health it's not that they're in isolation they work congruently Absolutely. so i would say that people should be exercising during this time and what exercise does for your mental health is almost immeasurable we know that from the research so people you know if they can be active during this time that is a protective factor and we know that so for me it's all about those protective factors during this time but I do worry about it. And I think that's what we need to help people build is more of those protective factors during this time because that's what's going to carry people forward. Can you elaborate on some of those protective factors? Because I think that's such a, an important part of this conversation is, is anyone who has fewer of those uh, is, is yeah. perhaps more vulnerable. This is, this is the chance to hopefully give them a few tips and pointers about how they might be able sure. to build some. So protective factors, um, I would say, so um, obviously I've not looked at the research for this, but in terms of what we know, so absolutely social connection, we're social creatures. So those who are in isolation or those who are struggling, can they be as connected as possible? So if you look within the rules, you can be meeting one of the person outside of your household and kind of connecting with them. Can you do that? Can you go out for a walk? Can you go and see somebody outside of your household? And that also connects to the other thing. So we know that forward thinking countries and certainly like Scotland, who can now prescribe being outdoors, I cannot recommend enough being in nature. So be outside as much as possible. Don't be just in your households. Don't be stuck inside. So meeting people that are outside of your household. And if you're on your own, that's so vital. Being in nature so key for our kind of general sense of well-being and connectedness so that's so vital. it sounds a bit hippie but it's so good for us no it's so to true the point where it's being prescribed oh my gosh so go and be outside being i call nature my church go and be outside go and be connected to kind of the outside um so people first connection with social creatures be outside and movement and exercise what that does for you and your psyche for your mental health is just oh my gosh if I could put it in a pill if we could all put it in a pill we'd be millionaires people who don't access movement don't get what it does for you and it is vital for your sense of well-being vitality energy move your body every single day can you move in some way 
even if it's just a walk and being outside in nature but if you can move it kind of more than is maybe kind of physically comfortable for a short time kind of get that heart rate up and kind of move yourself it's immeasurable in terms of what it will do for your mental health we know that kind of connection in terms of kind of movement and energy your diet these are all basics people think psychology is just woo woo science and magic it's so basic um and actually when I work with any client I always say I always start with your how much you're moving what you're eating and are you, are you sleeping well and then that's what I'm going to kind of talk about now so are you eating well can you just actually control what you're putting into your body? So we know the gut-brain connection is vital for your mental health. So I know it's tempting during lockdown to, you know, indulge. And we all do it. And so don't berate yourself for doing that because that also creates a kind of a mindset shift and a negativity. So by all means, have your snacks and your treats and kind of down days and whatever you want to call them. But generally eating well and getting as much kind of vegetables and kind of, you know, good stuff into your body, we know is good for you. Getting your sleep. So like I said before, without those kind of foundational kind of keystones in place, sleep, exercise, good diet. We, we're building other stuff is mindset. I have a big issue with the phrase mindset because I feel like it's a plaster. So people often talk about, I'm a mindset coach, or I'm a mindset expert, but mindset is actually just a plaster for maybe what's kind of not, not good underneath. We need to get the foundation good, which is diet, exercise, sleep, and the other stuff built on top. And that is vital during this kind of time. So are you sleeping well? Get your sleep in. Like I said, move your body, be outside in nature. So kind of be outside, be connected with what's going on, get your vitamin D, meet with other people. They're the key things to kind of get in place. And the other thing, one last thing I would say is have a purpose that's bigger than this. So this won't last forever. We're in a really fortunate position where we live in an age where we're working on the problem we have answers and solutions coming our way. Let's focus more on the positive. So if you know that things are triggering you like the news or particular friends or family, and certainly we all have them who want to report the news to us every day, it's really negative. Maybe you filter out those people. Maybe you don't actually spend a lot of time around those people and actually you focus on the positives. And you, actually you start to plan things that are outside this and beyond this. And sorry one last thing whatever you can incorporate into your day now start to do it so don't wait for everything to be outside of lockdown actually start to incorporate tiny bits of it if you can now into your day so don't wait for things to change so what is it that you plan on doing that maybe there's a snippet of that that you can bring into your current place or your current state and they will help you kind of build that resilience to kind of what's going on so, so much of that rings true to to my own life you know i just think you know if i if i exercise i feel better and, and when i and when i go for a run i crave green space i i i didn't even realize i was doing it when i first started doing it but i would i would i would start planning a route that takes me through a forest or through a park and and it took me ages to figure out that i was even doing it it was just this subconscious oh, desire yeah. to to be in green space and then i've realized what i was what i was doing and then I've, I've spoken to a psychologist before and he said yeah it's because you know genetically we we we, dis we just want to be in green space it makes us feel good so uh, that, really, that really rings true to me 
I love that. And it's funny because with a lot of my clients who are, so all of my clients are feeling a stuckness at the moment, like literally all of them. And they're really high achieving people. And with lots of them, what we're doing is so funny that all the conversations have gone down to basics. And, and lot, with lots of them, what I'm doing is we're literally doing really simple things like, do you know what? Let's look at where you live. And because we need to create difference. We as human beings, we, we crave evolution if we're moving forward. We want something different. And right now, one of the most difficult things is there's nothing different about what we're doing. It's Groundhog Day on bloody repeat. And we're like, oh my God, I'm going insane. So what slight different thing can you incorporate into a day? How can we trick our brains and give it the feedback loop that says there's something different? So with a lot of my clients, what I'm doing is I'm helping them, it sounds so weird, I'm helping them create a little map for their area and go, I've never been, like, let's look at your area, I've never been that road before, I've literally never been there. So I'm going to go on a run that goes on this different route that I've never been to before. My, my wife is going to pick me up with a coffee at this point in, with a flask. And so it's it sounds so simple, but we have to self-create different. So can it be that I go somewhere different on, in my area and go for a run and in a way? And that is something that I believe really helps shift our brain and our thinking, which is breaking our routine. Our brains kind of don't do so well when we settle into this routine because it creates a sameness. It's a, it's a monotony. It's a numbness to our thinking and our feeling. And we get so much stimulation when we're leading a normal life that we don't typically need to do that as much. But in this situation, we need to do it kind of on crack. So we need to think about and create ways to do that. So what can you do? That's that It's like creating games for yourself every day, like a, a new rat maze. What could I do to create something completely different to keep myself occupied? So by creating a new route around my area to run, I'm creating something completely different. I'm going to give myself a challenge. What can be different in terms of where I'm at? Can I get this? Can I incorporate something different or fun into that route? Because I'm a big believer in play, breaking a routine. So can I create something playful to that routine that's different to what I would normally do? While being outside, so it takes a lot of kind of boxes that simulate us, which might mean that you just literally go to bed feeling more relaxed. And that in itself is a win during this time so yeah that's, those small things are are amazing that's really interesting because um i've had a couple of conversations recently where you know I, I said part of the reason i think i've been struggling is the lack of spontaneity or the inability to be spontaneous whether it be i'm gonna go and get a coffee or whether it's gonna be i'm gonna meet a friend at a bar or whatever that spontaneity could be it could be big or small but i like what you're saying about almost tricking or, or, or creating games or ways of being sort of spontaneous with what you might do but in a kind of slightly measured and, and, and planned way and, and and as such you've created something new which which sort of freshens the mind and, and the body and such which is yeah which is really interesting which is really interesting well do you do anything outside do you run or do anything or do you what do you do in terms of physical yeah we both like to run begrudgingly we started yeah. uh because we stopped sport um because we got for, for, for multiple reasons but we stopped playing sport and as a result we sort of got into running because it got us outdoors and and, and uh, was a way of exercising but do you live near each other not quite running distance but we're close enough 20 minutes or so in a car yeah okay. i'm not sure if that's legally allowed but so i was i was going to set a challenge for you i want to see on the photo so 
you both have to order a space hopper on Amazon, meet in a in a middle location and do a 1K space hopper race. See, that's just a random <laughs> thing that you can do with a friend. That, that would get incredibly competitive, you know, <laughs> bordering on aggressive. But that's something to forward to. It's something different. It ticks a lot of boxes and you'd have a lot to talk about. So instantly you've changed your monotony and I would love to see the photos. So I might start training tomorrow morning. <laughs> I could just imagine how sore okay, my quads yeah. would be with that. That's there horrendous. And it's, yeah, it's a benefit to all. <laughs> but we have to create our own fun during this time. So um, it's important for us. You know, I mean, all jokes aside, it's important for our brains to get that feedback that we're actually shaking things up, that we're evolving, that we're still moving. Our brains need to know that kind of we're, we're doing that. And we need to have that feedback to feel like there's something to kind of go forward for. Um, and so, yeah, I would say wherever you can create that, even if it is just literally, so if someone's listening to this thinking, I would never do what she's saying, I'm sure you can create a new walk um, in the area that you live. So you can go out for one walk a day. Where could that be? You know, are you going to pass three churches? What are the names of the churches? Can you actually come back and find out what the names of the churches? Literally, can you create little games for yourself that gives your brain the feedback loop that things are different? And that really helps us during this kind of time where everything is so the same and we don't really respond very well to that as human beings. I was going to ask next uh, a bit about, because this this season is all, was, was created all about sort of barriers to a healthy lifestyle. Uh, and I was going to ask, what potential barriers are created by mental health with relation to living a healthy lifestyle although now now i'm reflecting on what you've been saying that would sound like a fair that feels like a kind of negative question so i feel like you've answered uh, elements of how you would remove those barriers um in a really sort of positive way you know like diet and exercise and uh, creating spontaneity or games and whatnot i feel like that they're all kind of ways of potentially removing the barriers and that feels a, a lot more positive so i don't know whether i'm going i'm going to ask you to go through the barriers now i feel like that that positivity piece was 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 re was really good um and rather than kind of thinking about those barriers i think what we've spoken about is ways in which we can kind of create a way to go forward and i think that's a much much nicer message actually so what i will ask is so we moved, we've moved into 2021 and obviously 2020 for many was really, really tough. What advice would you give or what extra advice? Because you've given an absolute uh, ton already. But what, what, what other advice might you give people coming into this year that have found 2020 really tough? What can they kind of do to kind of, you know, maybe move in a more positive direction? No, I think like, yeah, like you said, thank you for what you said. I hope that um, people can actually take, regardless of whether they're at, whether they're a professional in kind of men, uh, mental health or physical health, so a physio, they can take some of these aspects into their work. Um, I hope that there's something useful there for them. But in terms of just a general piece of advice, the thing that I would say, which might be contrary to what a lot of other people say would be, do you know what? just be really gentle on yourself and that is against the grain in terms of what a lot of people think because I see a lot of coaches out there at the moment and it's all push 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 and it might sound like I'm saying that at the moment so I'm saying do this I'm saying go outside and meet with your friends and take care of your, your exercise and your diet and no I you need to do what's right for you so I the first thing I always do with any client and I and I just encourage all 
anyone listening to this, whether it's a potential client or it's a physio or someone in practice, is go to your gut. So your gut is usually right and what's right for you. Um, and I'm just going to say that I really encourage people to be really gentle on themselves during this time. It's a really an easy time for everybody. And we are in a position where we are bombarded with advice, mine included today. And I'm saying only take on what you feel is right for you and what's necessary. Because actually, you know what is best for you. We all have a self-intelligence and that is what you need to tap into. What is right for you? What is right for you in this moment and what is right for you and your family and where you're at and you do that and you mustn't worry about what anyone else is doing and if you are finding social media and with all respect to what you're doing podcasts or anything else bombarding and it feels wrong so when you hear it we know this it feels wrong it's got a resonation that doesn't feel right but we think we should the minute you think you should step back so i always say just listen to that inner voice and that inner guidance because it usually doesn't put put us off course it's usually quite right and if you've ever had an injury or something go wrong I'm sure that I mean literally I can't think of anyone I wouldn't speak to where they haven't said I should have trusted my gut in some way and that's what I'm saying to you is you actually know what's right for you and you need to trust that and no one should tell you what's right for you if it doesn't feel right so as a, be- a person who specializes in, in behavioral change and peak performance, I can tell you that the biggest changes don't come from a push, push, push. They come from a stop and reflect. So change doesn't happen from pushing forward. And all those coaches that you see that are, you can do this, come on, do this, push yourself. If it isn't, it's not feeling right for you, there's a self-intelligence there that's telling you that something's not fitting. So listen to that voice. And I would say that's my biggest piece of advice is, especially during a time which is so challenging for you, you need to listen to yourself and you have all the guidance you need inside. I know it sounds a bit hippie, (laughs) but I think this is actually where the biggest shift and the biggest change and the most important change happens is within you. Um, And that's why when you hear a voice that tells you something that you love, it's usually because it resonates with what you think. It's it's like, yeah, I I agree with that. I know that. And it doesn't mean that they won't challenge you or won't push you because that's where the inner voice is actually, or the inner, your gut feeling is usually when you know something is right for you. Like, you know, really the diet you're eating is pretty shit or you know you should be exercising more. So there's a difference between the voice that agitates your thinking, where it's challenging you, like, oh, it's a push it's a it's like a it's a really good kind of push of that's actually something I should be doing so it's like a more of a guilt feeling like oh I don't really want to be doing that but I know I should that's something to really listen to whereas a no that's not good for me and my family you know the difference so trust your inner guidance you know when something's really good for you and you know when it's not yeah it's so important during this time that you do that that seems a really universal piece of advice, actually, something that every single person can can take something from, whether they're in a good place, a bad place, a normal place, a you know, ticking along yeah. place. I think that's a really universal piece of advice. And, and that leads me on to um, something that I came across in your blog, actually. It was the term the missed middle. It's, it's like it, there, there, we, we all think about people who potentially have mental health problems and, and are struggling. And then we think about maybe people who are smashing it, doing really, really well. And, and then that phrase, the missed middle, really made me think about 
people that are just ticking along and you know over time might just be starting to struggle a bit and and but, but not necessarily presented with any major symptoms um can, can you tell us a bit more about what what you meant by the missed middle and and how might those missed middle perhaps potentially uh look to to look after themselves yeah so thank you for picking up on that so yeah it's just a phrase that i use because i was thinking when i was writing that about you know people who shout the loudest get heard and, and sometimes people who are really quiet or desperate get seen and something happens for them but there's this group in the middle it's usually in my mind the people who are really capable who try to get on with things on their own they're like I don't want to be a bother I don't want to say anything I can google it I'm okay and they're trying to get on with things on their own and I think often they're the people I worry about the most because the other two extremes the other ends of the spectrum often get the attention that they need but this really capable functioning group in the middle are often the ones who show up with disease and disorder and dysfunction because they're just coping they're just getting on with it because that's what they do that's what they're trained to do and that's because of their parents but we won't go into that even though I'm a psychologist <laughs> so their parents have trained them to get on with stuff and they get on with it so I would just say that if you notice that you're one of those people that gets on with it then you are like in my opinion, the miss middle. And I think that I would just really encourage those people to ask for help more than anything or, or access help in some way. Often those people, they also fall into a few different categories. And I certainly see a lot of these people because weirdly they come to me for help, but they battle the help I give them. I don't know if you guys see any. So like they know they need the help. They really do know it. This is the gut. The gut knows it needs the help, but the head won't let it access the help. So they know they're in the right place, but they try and tell me they're fine or they know what to do. I'm like, well, why are you here? But they, their gut's like, I need the help, but they don't want to give in to the help. The so that, if you're the, the one, the ones that make excuses, is it, yeah, is it those? often, often, yeah, for sure. Certainly with the yeah. physical thing, they've got the excuses or yeah, exactly. Everything you've told them, they've tried it, but they haven't really tried it. Yeah. They haven't really given in to the help that you're trying to give to them. But they know they need the help because that's why they're there. And you go through this tussle for ages trying to actually help them. And it's, it can be quite exhausting. But there's often a breakthrough with those people and they finally give in. And they finally, for me, it's often really high functioning men and women. So I see a lot of CEOs and um, kind of people in quite high power positions who really want help, but they want to spend the first six sessions telling me they've got it all sorted and they know what they're doing I'm like well why are you here um, and then they go oh yeah okay I'll try what you said um <clears throat> so they're the people that I often worry about because they often don't access the help when they need it really early on and so I would really just say to them if there's anyone listening again that feels like that that <clears throat> excuse me there's no um it's not that there's no embarrassment it's that we really progress and evolve by standing on the shoulders of giants. And this goes back to the coach analogy that you mentioned at the start. So a coach is someone who has the knowledge, you know, a good athlete knows to get a coach. They wouldn't do it without a coach. So trying to help someone get into their mindset that a coach is a positive attribute, that they can help them progress, that there's no embarrassment or shame in that. And that the coach, coach is that's their vocation they love being the, the teacher the guide 
and it's a beautiful relationship between the two so if you feel you slip into that middle that kind of missed middle that you're not accessing the help you need access the help you need because there is magic in accessing the help and and both parties benefit from you doing that whether it's you going to your doctor for help or you going to a coach for help or you going to a physio for help whatever it might be or an educator to get the qualification like just go and get the help you need because we only have one life you need to grab it there's no kind of you know you don't get a medal at the end when you kind of shift off this mortal coil but well done for putting putting up with it this is you this is your chance grab it make the most of it absolutely make the most of it (laughs) i think that's a a great place to to finish up today i think really really great and thanks so much for for talking um you've you've given loads of tips you've you've covered all all sorts of different types of people as well i think that that's that's what's most uh, most beneficial here is that everyone along that spectrum of, of mental health can can take something from today let the audience know how they might be able to get in touch with you um if they've got any questions for you directly um what's the best place so I have a website, as most people do, which is thepsychologyschool.co. And if anyone is intrigued in working with me, then I do very few one-to-one um, sessions now, but you can access that by booking a discovery call, which is on the website on the main page. Um, you can also, I'm doing actually some work for Get Back to Sport, which is where you guys came across <laughs> my work. Um, I ongoingly work with Claire Mitchell at Get Back to Sport. So I work a lot with physios and I work a lot with surgeons in rehab. Um, and I'm doing another course for Claire in March, which is the psychology of buy-in. So this is looking at how you actually get your patients to buy into the help that you're trying to give them, which is rehabilitation. And that starts in March um, and that can be accessed through her website. Um, and then mostly on Facebook and Instagram at Serena Psychologist or the Psychology School. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you both so much on your Sunday night. It's been lovely. Well, that was that was brilliant. Um I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I learned a lot, took a lot from it, um, and hopefully our listeners will too. I, th- I think what came across to me was how positive and how sort of infused and passionate she was about all of, not just the advice, but just her career and everything she's doing. And, um, you know, she just, the passion just came through the, the mic and hopefully through the screen once we can show some of this. Yeah, I, I I really felt like I was I was in it. I was sort of one of one of her patients at times, just thinking, oh yeah, that's a great thing. I'm going to take that. You know, the 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 concept of um, working on some on a purpose that's bigger than this. That that really. And then I started to think about, oh yeah, we that's sort of what we're doing with the health space. We, we've got these ideas about how we can think about, be creative, and and focus on something that's that's more meaningful than than a, a pandemic so yeah i really i really started to 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 go go inwards and think deeply about some of the things she was saying which was great and and uh yeah needless to say that space opera race has got to happen right yeah absolutely um the, uh, yeah definitely uh although i definitely need to get in the gym and work the quads <laughs> a bit more considering this this uh pandemic because i feel like i'm going to be cramping after about 20 meters so uh yeah. squats are on the menu for monday put it that way yeah, kilometres a long way on a space opera. That's what I was thinking anyway. <laughs> uh, 
absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the but, final thing I think I, I would like to say on that is um, was just the the small nuggets of simple stuffs that she was talking about seemed to make the biggest differences. You know, that it wasn't it wasn't complex theory or any of that. It was exercise outdoors, kind of create little games. Um, you know, speak up. Uh, social have a tight knit yeah. social community, yeah. friends and family. Yeah, all, exactly. Just it was simple, very manageable things that we can all probably let, take a bit from and improve on in, in in each individual area. So I found that really really useful. There were two two quotes that, that I wrote down as, as she was talking that I really loved. It was the first one was the body won't go where your mind won't let you, and that's so true. You know, if you, if your mind's not in it, you, you're not going to do it. It's You've got to you've got to be in the right the right place for that. Um, and then the final one, which is probably a really great place to finish, is be gentle on yourself. You know, don't don't be too harsh on yourself if you are struggling, if you are having a tough time. Be gentle on yourself. Um, yeah, we'd be really interested to hear from from you. So if if any of our listeners do want to get in touch, talk about their experiences, talk about their coping strategies or protective factors they put in, um, we'd love to hear from you. So you can get in contact with us uh, on Instagram, the.healthspace, or if you want to email us, you can email us at thehealthspace.co at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you've got any stories in particular that um, you'd, you'd be happy for us to share on future podcasts, I think that'd be a really great way to connect with the audience just to hear what, what you've got to say. I hope it's been as enjoyable for you as it has been for us. Yeah, that's great. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, thanks very much. We'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe and give us a five-star rating. We'll keep bringing you the gold. Follow us on Instagram at the.healthspace and for any questions or ideas for future content, email us at thehealthspace.co at gmail.com.